Eric Swalwell, characteristically blew a lot of hot air on Capitol Hill yesterday. And that's all well and good. That's just sort of what he does every day. Unfortunately, though, for Mr. Swalwell and all of his Democrat colleagues, he was doing this in the face of Bill Barr, and it didn't go very well for him. Now, Mr. Barr, are you investigating Donald Trump for commuting the prison sentence of his longtime friend and political advisor, Roger Stone? No. Why not? Why should I? Well, let's talk about that. He wasn't ready for a simple question. Why should I do the thing you're asking me to do? Uh, okay, well, yeah, okay, yeah, let's, okay, we can talk about that. We can talk, we will talk about that because Bill Barr, the honey badger, just absolutely knocked down every Democrat on Capitol Hill yesterday like he's just a human bowling ball going down the lane. We will, we will get into all of it. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Bill Barr went to Capitol Hill. Coincidentally, I actually was with the Attorney General Barr uh, when he accepted this invitation. So you remember I went to DC with Senator Cruz and we did this episode of the Verdict Podcast there at the DOJ with Attorney General Barr. And that, like, as I get to the room, as Bill Barr gets to the room, the news breaks that he's going to accept the Democrats' invitation to testify in Capitol Hill. I have been waiting for many weeks for this to happen because I knew it was going to be absolutely hilarious and it did not disappoint. So my favorite of the interrogators was Eric Swalwell because you're Eric Swalwell. I'm Eric. Well, we're all Eric Swalwell, as you remember from his presidential campaign. It it went from bad to worse for Mr. Swalwell. Here's just a, a little snippet of the interactions between Congressman Swalwell and the attorney general. I know a lot about the law and various other lawyerings. Um, I'm well-educated, well-versed. I know that situations like this, real estate-wise, they're very complex. Actually, they're pretty simple. The forms are all standard, boilerplate. Okay, well, we're all hungry. We're going to get to our hot plate soon enough, all right? But let's talk about the contract here. Sorry, I forgot. Where did you go to law school again? Uh, well, I could ask you that very same I question. I went to Harvard. Uh? Mm-hmm. How about you? Where... Yeah. I'm pleading the fifth, sir. Uh-huh. I'd advise that you do that. And I'll take that advice into cooperation, all right? Uh. Now, let's say you and I go toe-to-toe on bird law and see who comes out the victor. You know, I don't think I'm going to do anything um, close to that, and I can see clearly you know nothing about the law. It seems like you have a tenuous grasp on the English language in general. Okay, well, filibuster. Uh, I'm sorry. That was not the clip of Eric Swalwell and Bill Barr. That was from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It couldn't have been the clip between Swalwell and Barr because Charlie Day was much, much more articulate and was making much, much more sense (laughs) than Eric Swalwell was yesterday. Frankly, I wish we could just play the entire interaction. There, unfortunately, is not enough time. Just a little snippet to give you the idea of the difference here, not just in IQ, but difference in seriousness of purpose. You don't read the president's tweets? No. Well, there's a lot of evidence in the president's tweets, Mr. Attorney General. I think you should start reading them because he said Mr. Stone showed guts. But on July 10 of this year, Roger Stone declared to a reporter, I had 29 or 30 conversations with Trump during the campaign period. Trump knows I was under enormous pressure to turn on him. It would have eased my situation considerably, but I didn't. The prosecutors wanted me to play Judas. I refused. Are you familiar with that Stone statement? Actually, I'm not. So how can you sit here and tell us 
why should I investigate the President of the United States if you're not even aware of the facts concerning the President using the pardon or commutation power to swap the silence of a witness? Because we, we require, uh, you know, a reliable predicate before we open a criminal investigation. And I just gave to you, sir. Well, I, I don't consider it. I consider it a very Rube uh, Goldberg theory that you have. Well, it, it sounds like you're hearing this. And, and by the, the way, if I applied, if I applied this standard, there'd be, a lot, there'd be a lot more people under investigation. <laughs> just absolutely devastating because Swalwell gives this whole great oration and Barr is looking at him like, why? What mistakes have I made in life that have led me to have to sit in this chair and listen to all of you people, you vacuous imbeciles, you Democrats of Capitol Hill? And he's sitting there and he lets Eric Swalwell finish. And Swalwell says, so why haven't you investigated the president? Um, because we need a reliable predicate to investigate. Uh, Congressman Swalwell, do you know what an investigation is? Uh, filibuster, filibuster. I don't. I don't think that Eric Swalwell knows very much of what he's talking about. And then there's a zinger at the end. And, and if you watch the clip, you can see the attorney general's eyes dart to the other members of the panel. He said, if we were w going to take that flimsy standard as the basis for investigations, then a lot more of you people would be under investigation. And that more or less ends anything even resembling substance in the exchange. And frankly, I've got to give Eric Swalwell credit because at least Eric Swalwell let the attorney general speak at the hearing that he was called to so that the Democrats could hear him. That uh, unfortunately, the other members of Congress did not seem to understand that, which we will get to in just one moment. But first, I got to thank our friends over at Ring. You know, it's very important to know who is at your door, whether you are home or whether you are at the office, or whether on your vacation somewhere. I think these days a lot of us are home more than usual, and it's still hard to keep a close eye on things. More deliveries mean more boxes left unattended, and more opportunities for packages to go missing. A lot can happen outside your front doors. We're not always free to check on things in person. With Ring, you can keep your home safe no matter where you are. Especially, you know, things are just a little weird these days, okay? It's very good to be able to check in on that. Sweet little Lisa's a great shot, but I, I just, I want to be able to check in from my phone anywhere. This is something that I give to my friends as a housewarming gift. The reason I do that is one, because it makes you feel like you're in the future and, you know, it keeps you very safe. But two, it's inexpensive. And so you feel like a really cool guy and you look like a great friend when you give this to people for their uh, housewarming. You can get a special offer right now in the Ring Welcome Kit when you go to ring.com slash Knowles. The Welcome Kit includes the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It's all you need to start building custom security for your home today. A lot of people are not feeling safe these days. Make sure you feel safe with everything that's going on. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Swalwell at least let the attorney general speak. His colleagues, not so much. Greg Price over at the Daily Caller put together just a very brief clip of some of the Democrats cutting off Bill Barr. Because what they would do, they'd give their orations that were supposed to be questions for the attorney general. And then at the end, they wouldn't even let the guy answer. They would, they would just say, okay, I'm, uh, you know, uh, uh, don't say that. I, I don't like what you're starting to say. I'm reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time in April. Times is when does something actually become reclaiming my time? I'm sight. This is not a trick question in this country. 
And I'm reclaiming my time, Mr. General. Pacific Without any remedy at all. I'm reclaiming my time. Let me share with you. Well, you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. You reclaiming my time, sir. Reclaiming my time. He found reclaiming no my time without political bias. He said he and found in no April, evidence. Reclaiming my time, Mr. Turner. In reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, Mr. Barr. I'm pleased to know that the Democrats of Capitol Hill at least know and can pronounce three words. I don't know that their vocabulary and their intellect goes much further than that, but they at least can say, reclaiming my time. Those are the three words that they can say. And they can't hear very much either. The reason they can't hear very much is, is an issue that plays in not just to these Democrats on Capitol Hill, but into a broader culture, which is that we are living in echo chambers. And if you're on the left, you never even hear the arguments that the right is making. So it's no surprise that these Democrat congressmen don't want to let the attorney general speak. They won't let him speak because they are utterly unprepared for what he has to say. They are utterly unprepared to answer what he has to say. And they don't care what he has to say. It doesn't matter. It's not going to affect the way that the left, which controls every major institution of power, is going to march on and on and on. At a certain point, Bill Barr joked about this to the members there. He said, hold on, who's, who's doing the hearing? Who's doing the talk and who's doing the hearing? It is not a self-defining term as they've only got two minutes, sir. That they recognized. Mr. Barr, if I Yeah, but this is a hearing. I thought I was the one that was supposed to be heard. Well, let me, and I'm going to get there. Well, you thought wrong, Mr. Attorney General. This purpose of this entire hearing is so that Democrats can get little clips for their reelection campaigns where they're scolding the attorney general and they're going to cut that up and take that back home and put it on television or put it on the internet. And it is as always the left does, you know, the left always projects. So whatever they're doing, they're going to accuse their opponents of doing. Jerry Nadler, who's chairing this whole circus comes out and he accuses Bill Barr of participating in campaigning here by trying to get little video clips for the president's re-election. The president wants footage for his campaign ads and you appear to be serving it up to him as ordered. What are you talking about? Jerry, you're the one doing the whole purpose of this hearing that you invited Bill Barr to is so that you all can get footage for your re-election campaigns. And yet he's accusing the president of doing the opposite thing. The only thing we learned yesterday, and it wasn't something new, I guess we were just reminded of it, is that congressmen, I, and I, I should limit this to the Democrats because the Republicans actually performed very well yesterday, but these Democrat congressmen who wouldn't even let their guests speak are vacuous imbeciles. But it's not just their fault. This, we live in a sort of vacuous culture, a vapid culture. We all participate in it, every last one of us. I saw this yesterday. I don't know if you've been following on Instagram. There's this trend that has taken over Instagram. Many of my dearest friends are doing it, so I'm not, I don't want to poke too sharp fun here. Women are, are taking hot black and white selfies of themselves. I guess most selfies are of yourself. They're taking these selfie photos and then they're uploading it to Instagram and they're saying, challenge accepted. And so all the, all the women on Instagram are doing this. And I thought, Oh, it's another one of these social media challenge things. Okay, what's the challenge? And so I'm looking and I, and I, I found out the challenge is to upload a hot selfie. That is, that's not, that's not part of the challenge or the medium of the challenge. 
That's the whole challenge, is to get women on an app that exists solely for women to put up hot pictures of themselves. The challenge is for women to put up hot pictures of themselves. There's not even a nominal social justice tie-in. You know, most of these challenges, there's like at least a little hook. It's like, yeah, upload a hot selfie and then, and then, and then you'll cure a disease. You know, upload a hot selfie to stop polio. And you're like, well, okay, I don't really see the connection between those two things, but at least, but this one, it's not even that. It's just, just vanity. That's all it is. It's just women uploading photos of themselves and saying, I'm beautiful, I'm strong, and I nominate. And then you name all these other women that you, you also suggest should upload hot photos of themselves. And then the other women, <laughs> they post the photos and they say, thank you for nominating me. Thank you for challenging. I'm, I feel so challenged. <laughs> so anyway, the other night I, I put up one of myself and I don't know, frankly, I thought it was, it was one of the more scintillating, challenging things I've ever done. I feel really lifted up and empowered. Also, is it, is it empowering to upload a hot selfie for other people to gawk over? Is that, that, that is many things, but I'm not convinced that that is empowering. What's funny now, they're trying to add a, a kind of social justice element to it. So it's, so all these women are uploading the photos just for themselves, just to say like, I'm beautiful, you're strong, you go girl. We don't, we don't need anybody's attention. Also look at my hot pictures. So that's the, the thing that everyone's doing now. Then some women in Turkey got upset because apparently a few weeks ago, there was a campaign in Turkey to upload black and white photos to stop women from being killed or something to that effect has nothing to do with what the women in America are doing. And they're getting angry because they feel like it's being taken over. And this reminds me of the black square. You remember all these mostly white liberals were uploading the black squares during Black Lives Matter and they were doing it to stand in solidarity with BLM. And then the BLM people got angry because it was messing up their hashtag or something, right? It's just, you can't, you can't win for losing, first of all. And especially in the case of the black and white photo, what are we, what's the point? The point is, is, uh, vanity. And, and we all do it. I'm not even exempting myself. I mean, I don't, I don't do it when it comes to posting hot selfies, but we all do it in some ways. We all indulge this vanity in this culture. That's what that whole hearing was yesterday. That's what much of our public policy is right now is the indulgence of vanity. And you have a guy like Bill Barr, getting back to Bill Barr. You have a guy like Bill Barr who is the voice of one in the wilderness crying out with any sort of common sense. And that man, in this crazy culture, that man seems like a lunatic because he's speaking common sense to a culture that's lost its mind. We'll get to that in one second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Pure Talk. You know, you should not assume that your monthly cell phone bill is like a necessary forever, there's no way to fight it sort of thing. Your monthly cell phone bill should be less than it is now. Who is your wireless provider? AT&T, Verizon, maybe T-Mobile. What if I told you that Pure Talk USA uses the exact same network as one of those carriers? I'm not saying it's a similar or a comparable. I'm saying it's the exact same one. Same towers, same exact coverage, but it costs you half the price. People love Pure Talk USA. Sarah from Abilene, Texas says, the service is amazing. Love the price. The speed is quick. The reception is so perfect. Switching is so easy. You can keep your phone. They'll just send you a SIM card so you can get the same great service you currently have, but at half the price. 
unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data. 20 bucks a month. 20 bucks a month. The average person is paying $400 a year for that. You could be paying 20 bucks a month. It's unbelievable. I, I know it sounds too good to be true, but I know these guys. It's the same exact coverage. It's you can get unlimited talk, unlimited text, two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. All you need to do is grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250 and say keyword Michael Knowles. That's pound 250, say keyword Michael Knowles. When you do, you will save 50% off your first month. In this crazy culture with all these vacuous congressmen, Bill Barr comes, he tries to speak a little common sense. And it's some common sense that we've been trying to say on this show. And I know conservatives have been saying to the left now for weeks. It is not acceptable to burn down the country. I, I can't believe that needs to be said. It is not acceptable to burn the country down. In, to use a specific example, it's not acceptable to burn down a federal courthouse. The Democrats are shocked to hear it. That's right, Congressman. There's sort of distinct missions. One mission is to enforce federal law. And by the way, the federal government is the sovereign of the United States. We have two sovereigns here uh, in the United States, and we enforce the federal law all over the country. Every square foot of the country, we enforce federal law. The other is protecting federal property, and specifically U.S. courthouses, which are the heart of federal property in all 93 jurisdictions in the United States. And we have the obligation to, to, to protect federal courts, and the U.S. Marshals specifically have been given that obligation. Federal courts are under attack. Since when is it okay to try to burn down a federal court? If someone went down the street to the Prettyman Court here, that beautiful courthouse we have right at the bottom of the hill, and started breaking windows and firing industrial-grade fireworks in to start a fire, throw kerosene balloons in and, and start fires in the court, is that okay? Is that okay now? No, the U.S. Marshals have a duty to stop that and defend the courthouse, and that's what we are doing in Portland. This was the moment, probably more than any other in the hearing, where Barr becomes visibly and audibly exasperated. He's like, what? who are you people? <laughs> what? You're defending burning down federal courthouses. What is wrong with you people? And do you think it made an impact? Do you think what he said persuaded them, even penetrated those very, very thick skulls that they have? No, not at all. Not at all. They are still calling to defund the police. They're still calling to defund military recruitment. We talked about that yesterday. They want to defund the apparatus of law enforcement. Why? Because they want to defund our law. They don't want us to have a country of laws. They want us to have a country run by the ever-changing whims of the left. Now, in this climate, is it any surprise that 100 police agencies have just pulled out of the DNC? The Democratic National Convention, such as it is, it's going to be a pared down one. They don't have any protection. They don't have any protection now because the cops don't want to protect them. And I got to tell you, I'm with the cops. I'm with the cops here. You know, I think one reaction to this, to finding out that none of these police agencies want to protect the DNC. One reaction is, well, they signed up. They got to do their job. They got to protect people, even if they don't like those people. That's not the point. It's not just we have a disagreement on this policy or that policy. It's that the DNC is actively trying to dismantle the police. They are openly saying this at the most mainstream high level. They want to dismantle the law enforcement apparatus of this country. You cannot ask 
law enforcement to participate in its own destruction. Not even just because it will be detrimental to them, but because that would be detrimental to the entire country, to our entire system of government, and to our entire system of law and order. You, you would never ask someone to participate in their own destruction, but that's what would happen if these police agencies were to protect the DNC. And on a very tangible level, the, the Democrats have basically said, if cops ever use force, we're going to arrest them and ruin their lives. You can't ask a guy to go into that position. It's not like cops get paid a ton of money, right? It's not as though you say, well, look, it's a tough job, but at least they make a ton of money. And so therefore we ask a lot of them. They don't. It's service. You, you, they make a relatively modest salary and they take a, on a dangerous job and they do it because it is a noble calling to protect people and to enforce the law. Well, if you're going to, if you're going to punish them in some cases, you know, you charge them with murder just for doing their job. Why would they do it? You can only push a man so far. You know, the, the line between courage and recklessness is a little bit blurry sometimes, but for a cop to go out there when he knows that the people that he's going out to protect are actively trying to ruin his life and maybe throw him in jail or worse or worse, that that's pure recklessness. You can't, you can't ask a guy to do that. And so they're pulling out of the DNC. I think it makes total sense that they are. This, uh, this was announced first by Milwaukee police chief Alfonso Morales, uh, or rather Alfonso Morales was the one who was ordered last month to change the department's policies to basically not let them do their jobs. And so then all in conjunction, it's been announced by these 100 law enforcement agencies. Absolutely makes sense. And Lest you think, lest you think that, it, you know, it, Republicans are trying to undermine the rule of law here. I, I don't think you would ever fall into that trap, but the mainstream media are trying to push that idea on you. We've got a story that I think the mainstream media are not reporting on. Every time a right winger so much as flicks the shoulder of a left winger, so, every time a right winger, you know, walks up and kind of smacks a guy in the face or something, that's a national news story. How about when left-wingers drive their automobiles through a crowd of conservatives? Does that make the news? Hear about that story? Probably you didn't. We'll get to that in one second. Then we will get to the broader issue here of not, not just silencing the attorney general at a hearing, but silencing very important, relevant information during a pandemic to serve political purposes. That's not even being carried out by the politicians. That's being carried out by our true overlords over in big tech. We'll get to all of that. First though, got to thank our friends over at Rad Power Bikes. Rad Power Bikes are absolutely fabulous for getting out of the house. They're cool just in general. They're cool just, but especially these days, they're really cool to get around, to commute, uh, to maybe get out in nature, even with the kids in tow. You've got to try Rad Power Bikes. It's a cross between a traditional bike and a moped, but it doesn't require a special driver's license like a moped would. You can go up to 20 miles per hour without pedaling, so you can get out and about without getting sweaty. They're great for commuting. They're great for getting out on the trail. They're great for hauling groceries or even transporting your kids on your back, on the back of the bike. Unlike other e-bikes, they're usually, they're actually rather affordable and to show appreciation for those that serve us, 
Rad Power Bikes is offering 100 bucks off all e-bike purchases for active and ex-military first responders, teachers, and students. Uh, really terrific company, and especially now, th- what a great product. Rad Power Bikes offer flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. Right now is a limited time offer. You can get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike, and you can get a free gift of up to $100 in value. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. To get the special offer, text the word Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 64,000. That is Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 64,000. Text it out right now. On July 25th, not that long ago, at approximately 3.38 p.m. in Eaton, Colorado, the Eaton PD responded to a report of a man traveling in a maroon SUV trying to drive through and over a crowd of pedestrians. Those pedestrians, so usually when you hear that headline, you you find, oh, it's going to be a right winger, probably a white supremacist driving through liberals. And then you find out the driver is not a conservative or a white guy or whatever. And then the narrative kind of goes away. Well, in this case, they weren't driving into, we, we we know the identity of the crowd he was driving into. They were driving into a Blue Lives Matter conservative crowd. And fortunately, liberals don't know how to drive very well. So as far as I can tell, nobody was injured. Uh, that, that may have changed, but fortunately, uh, the motor skills of left-wingers, not great. So uh, uh, that's one thing we can hang our hats on. Still, this guy should absolutely be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. This is, the, uh, this is an event run by the Northern Colorado Young Republicans. These are acts of explicit political violence by the left. We've seen a lot of these acts in recent years, going back to the congressional baseball game. Remember when that Bernie bro tried to shoot up and murder many congressmen at that congressional baseball game? You see this time and time again for explicitly political reasons. I, I asked yesterday on the show, is this just the new normal? You know, we talk about the new normal with COVID, like you got to wear the stupid masks and you got whatever. I don't think that's the, I think the new normal might be political violence. There is a normalization going on of political violence, and it's political violence specifically when you contradict the left. It's, and it's, I mean, in this case, it's real violent. You're driving a car into a crowd. At the congressional baseball game, you're shooting people. But there's a subtler form of violence, which is you just destroy somebody's life if they contradict the left. You, you ostracize them from society. That is being undertaken right now by the left, but it's not the politicians. It's big tech right now. Big tech is now engaging in the spookiest kind of election interference that we have seen in a very long time, maybe ever. And we also have video just recently uncovered from some of the top people at Google explaining four years ago exactly what they were going to do. Now we're seeing that project come to fruition. They don't want you to see that either. They're censoring a lot of videos on the internet. I hope they don't take this one down. They probably will, and we'll have to get it out elsewhere, which is why, by the way, we appreciate it that you've subscribed to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. We've got a lot of platforms here at this show, in case one of them mysteriously goes down. We've got Apple Podcasts. We put it on Facebook. We go, obviously, we've got my Twitter feed. We go on YouTube, right? We put it, putting it all over the place. Uh, So we appreciate when you can go there, ring the bell, subscribe. Also, buy Ben's book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. He did a live signing last Tuesday with me, by the way. And uh, so if you want to get a signed copy, uh, because there might not be any more left in a few days, head on over to dailywire.com slash 
Ben. Also get the Reader's Pass, one buck for your first month, three bucks a month after that. You get all sorts of exclusive content, great stuff like Drew's most recent, Conservatives Will Lose the Country Without God. It goes really in depth here. Head on over, check it out, dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. So you saw yesterday, maybe you listened, we, we played this video of these doctors in white lab coats down there in Washington giving a press conference about how hydroxychloroquine is effective at treating the coronavirus, which we've known for a very long time. There's been tons of evidence about this, and we've had that drug hydroxychloroquine for years and years and years now. Then there was a study that went up that said that hydroxychloroquine is really bad for you. That study was retracted. It was total BS. Now more evidence. We had a Yale epidemiologist come out just last week in Newsweek, say hydroxychloroquine works very well. You, you can use it to treat coronavirus. Left doesn't want that information getting out because you know, they've, already, they've already sunk so much into this. They've already, even beyond the kind of conspiracy theory perspective, just, just think about from a very practical political perspective. The left has put all their chips on coronavirus. COVID is the campaign at this point, especially with the second lockdown. They can't let that get up, even if they did find some medicine, even if hydroxychloroquine is very effective. They can't let that up. Businesses have already planned out their next year based on coronavirus. They're not going to let that up. It's, it's frankly even the mask issue. Remember I said early on, correctly, that the masks are a political symbol more than practical medical advice? So that remains true. You can see this in all the disclaimers that, that the people selling the masks have to put on, namely that the masks don't do anything to prevent the transmission of viruses. But I said they're very effective at the, at a, as a political symbol. Some people argued for the masks because they said, well, the masks will allow us to reopen. Do you see anything reopening? The more masks we put on, do you think we're opening up more? No, we're shutting down more. And I understand why some people would have mistakenly believed that if you wear the masks, the, the left will allow the government to open and the country to reopen, but it won't. It's actually the opposite. The reason is that the mask is a reinforcing symbol that we have to remain locked down. It, it operates on the same principle as a, a campaign merchandise. When you buy merchandise, like a t-shirt or a hat or something from a political campaign that you support, a, a lot of people think you do that to donate money to the campaign. Now, it's not about the money. The campaigns don't make very much money at all. Sometimes they lose money on the merchandise. The reason they sell you the merchandise is to tie you to the campaign. Because when you put on the t-shirt of the candidate, you've now taken on support for that candidate as part of your identity. Your behavior has now shifted something in your mind to say that you will be more supportive of that candidate. It's the same thing with the masks. This is why even some conservatives who put on the mask, there's, there is like no evidence that the masks do anything. The masks stop a little bit of spittle from getting out. But unless you're talking like Kenneth Branagh playing Hamlet, you don't need to worry about the spittle. The reason that even some conservatives who put the mask on are now much more supportive of the masks than the lockdowns is because it's reinforcing. If you wear the mask, which is such, a, such an odd kind of piece of clothing, right? It's an odd accessory. It's an odd symbol. Then you have told yourself that this is very real. And the more you wear it, the more you're going to believe that the more deeply you're going to be bought into that. And so it comes as no surprise that big tech took down that video of a lot of doctors who are echoing very mainstream medical advice of some of the most respected people in the field saying hydroxychloroquine obviously works. 
they had to take it down. So they took it down on Facebook. They took it down on Twitter. We had to take down part of our show yesterday because I played that video and they would not allow that up. They are threatening to boot you off of social media if you permit these doctors to speak. Remember, we're supposed to listen to the science. Well, (laughs) only some scientists, as I told you months ago, has nothing to do with the science, has everything to do with politics. It's not just that. That's not the extent of the social media censorship of scientific voices going on or any other kind of voices. Breitbart just put this video out. It's Breitbart exclusive. Days after the 2016 election, you had a very high ranking fellow over at Google, Google VP for global affairs, Kent Walker, come out, address the first all hands meeting after the 2016 election. It featured uh, obviously himself. It featured the CEO of Google, Sundar Pichai. It featured the co-founders, Sergey Brin and Larry Page and other Google executives. In this meeting, we'll just play a few clips of it. You can go to Breitbart, watch the whole thing. Uh, the VP here for global affairs discussed his dismay. He discussed his disgust, frankly, at the 2016 election and specifically laid out in broad terms a plan to combat it in 2020. It was a shock to, to all of us, the results of the election. This is not the first sign we've seen of this rising tide of nationalism, populism, and concern. While it may be that the internet and globalization were part of the cause of this problem, we are also fundamentally an essential part of the solution to this problem. And it's important to recognize that while the Republicans and and the Trump administration, the Trump administration, they have a majority in the Senate, a majority in the House, they don't have a supermajority in the Senate. The arc does go like this exponentially in terms of standards of living around the world. Yes, it's not completely smooth. It goes up and down. And I think history teaches us that there are periods of populism, of of nationalism that rise up. And that's all the reason we need to be in the arena. That's why we have to work so hard to make sure it doesn't turn into a world war or something catastrophic, but instead is a blip, is a hiccup. It's a blip. It's a hiccup. We got to stop this nationalism. Nationalism is a really bad thing. We need globalism. And that's what we here at Google exist to do, is to undermine the results of the 2016 election, undermine the decision of the American people, undermine national sovereignty. No surprise there either. Google is a globalized company, citizens of the world. I don't know that Google has any particular loyalty to the United States. They certainly don't have any particular loyalty to the American people. And they're trying. Google, uh, frankly, on this uh, scientist video, they're the, they're the least offenders uh, compared to f- Facebook and Twitter. But they don't want that information getting out there. And, and Twitter is rigging Twitter and Facebook and Google. They're all rigging the election as part of the same Breitbart exclusive. They point out that Google has been purging Breitbart content from search results since the 2016 election. They find that Breitbart search visibility is uh, down 99.7% since 2016. That's the survival rate of coronavirus, by the way, at least. Well, that's how much Breitbart has been suppressed since 2016. Google killed basically all search traffic to Breitbart for Joe Biden and Joe Biden related searches. They're trying, as they told us they would do four years ago, they were trying to shift the election back 
to the globalist candidate, the candidate who cheered the rise of China very recently. Joe Biden said, it's a wonderful thing that China's gotten more powerful. We're living through the consequences of that right now. Some people haven't learned the lesson, specifically in big tech. We just have to listen to the experts. Well, not the, not the conservative experts, but only the experts who go along with the left. And if you contradict them, by the way, they'll say, well, what's your credential? Are you an expert? Do you have a PhD? Do you have an MD? Where's your credential? Bill Barr, going back to Bill Barr, Bill Barr in that hearing yesterday had such a wonderful rejoinder. We should memorize it. We should remember to say it. A Democratic representative, Mary Gay Scanlon, asked Bill Barr about his expertise, if he had a scientific study to cite. Bill Barr said he had something much more important. Last month, you echoed the president's conspiracy theory when you suggested in at least three interviews that, quote, foreign countries could manufacture counterfeit ballots, end quote, to influence the presidential election, correct? You did that in at least three interviews? Yes. Okay. But in fact, you have no evidence that foreign countries can successfully sway our elections with counterfeit ballots, do you? No, I don't, but I have common okay. sense. Okay. Well, and that's what you responded when you were directly challenged on that. Yes, that is what he responded. Maybe you should have listened to that, Representative. Uh, he does have common sense, something sorely lacking on Capitol Hill and among the liberal establishment generally. They don't have common sense because they're disconnected from reality. They have their ideology, they have their fantasies that they write down in manifestos that in no way describe the real world. They've got that. And that's the precise reason that they don't have common sense. And it's why people who don't have fancy degrees and PhDs and all sorts of credentials, that's why they do have common sense and it's why those people tend to be more correct in the long run than those ideologues. It reminds me of Bill Buckley's old advice. He said he would rather be governed by the first 2,000 people in the phone book than by the faculty of Harvard College. Remember that? that that's the idea that we have here. That's the idea of, of giving sovereignty to we the people in the United States, something the left is now explicitly denouncing. Th this is a scandal. What's going on in big tech is a scandal. That hearing on Capitol Hill was a scandal. What they tried to do in 2016 to rig the election was a scandal. Remember when Obama weaponized his, his agencies of government to illegally spy on the Trump campaign? We've got, we've got reams and reams of evidence about this. The, the left barely denies it anymore. What they do is the same thing they do every time. They say, oh, that's old news. Oh, that, that one's, that, forget about that. That was a long time ago. Stop talking about that. And then they put it down the memory hole because they control the flow of information. Valerie Jarrett, top, top, tippy top advisor to Barack Obama, went on Maria Bartiromo's show yesterday and gave the standard leftist line. Maria, look, I have very, a high degree of confidence that our intelligence community, our investigators comported themselves responsibly. Uh, look, Lindsey Graham is the one that encouraged Senator McCain to turn over the dossier in the first place to the FBI. And so I can't tell you all of the reasons why Comey went forward with his investigation. Maybe this was one piece of a bigger puzzle. Uh, but I do know that it's nearly four years ago, and I don't understand why our focus isn't on what's happening right now and today. That's the investigation I'd like to see well, going on. Oh, this was four years ago. It's old news. The Clintons are, 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 I'm so excited. My voice is like jumping up and down. The Clintons are most famous for using this strategy. They did it all throughout the nineties. It's say, uh, you know, I did not have sex with that woman. I didn't do it. And then you find out a year later, he did do it. And he goes, well, look, that's old news now. Why are we talking about it? It was a long time ago. 
Uh, uh, come on now, let's move on. I got to get on with the business of the country. And the, the, so the Clintons perfect this and the left continues to use it more than 20 years later. That's old news. Well, yeah, we just found out about it though. We, we now have proof there's a criminal investigation going on led by John Durham. What do you mean we got to stop talking about this? We're in the midst of a presidential election and you people are trying to do it again, albeit through other means. That's what's going on. You feel like you're, you feel like you're Bill Barr. You feel like you're living in this clown world. Looking around, you're saying, are you, Eric Swobel, are you a, are you a real person? Valerie Jarrett, are you seriously saying this with your, Google, are you really, are you really saying these things? That is the effect of ideology. That's the effect of mass hysteria. Do you really think a virus with at least a 99.7% survival rate is worth not leaving your home for five months? Do you, and do you really think, by the way, if we have a treatment that is effective at treating it, that we should suppress that information? What kind of bizarro, delusional fantasy world do you have to live in to believe that? You have to live in the bizarro, delusional fantasy world of the left. Greatest example of this, the teachers' unions. The teachers' union. You thought that the black and white selfie thing on Instagram was ridiculous? At least that one's kind of funny. At least we all get a kick out of this. The teachers' unions, it's just sad. Teachers unions in, in DC right now, they are lining up body bags outside of school system offices to protest having to come do their jobs because they're saying if we, if teachers have to show up and teach students, then they're all going to die. It's going to be a slaughter of teachers. By the way, there are studies out of Sweden and Finland right now where schools have been opened over whether the virus is even being transmitted in the schools. No evidence that it is. No evidence. Zero. Bupkis. Nothing. But these hysterical, frivolous, ridiculous teachers in D.C. are pretending that it is. The teachers are saying, no, we can't, we're, we can't go in. We're the heroes. You can't make us come in and do our jobs. That's how powerful, you know, teachers unions have been powerful for a very long time. Now we're seeing them flex that muscle. One thing I, I also want to point out to you, this is the exact same narrative from the first wave of the virus, except for the first wave of the virus, it was the nurses that were the heroes, the martyrs, the most wonderful. They shouldn't be expected to do their jobs. You got to stay home for the nurses. And then the nurses started sending out pictures and videos about how the hospitals were largely empty and we never got close to overwhelming capacity. And then some nurses started posting TikTok videos of them dancing in the empty hallways. And we thought, okay, well, yikes. Okay. The left can't use those nurses anymore as the emblem of why you need to stay home and, and imprison yourself in your house. So then it shifted to the teachers, but it's the same narrative. There's no, it's the same idolization of these people. It's the same. No one has ever sacrificed more than these people sacrifice. Mark my words, in two weeks, <laughs> we're going to get some teacher TikTok videos, and then we're going to have to move on to another victim group. Preposterous. You know how preposterous it is? The schools are not reopening in, in a great many places. So the kids are not allowed to go to school, but they are allowed to go to the school building for daycare up to eighth grade, by the way. So in Austin, Texas, the Austin, Texas Independent School District has declared all instruction will be virtual from August 18th to September 7th, at least. So the YMCA of Austin has extended its summertime essential programming to children, some children who are teenagers, 
so that they can go to daycare and do their schoolwork, their virtual schoolwork online. Do you know where the YMCA of Austin is doing this sort of thing? In the school building. So the kids, <laughs> like, I, I feel like Bill Barr. So the kids are, oh, let me see if I can process this. The kids are going to the school building, but they are not allowed to be in school, but they are doing their schoolwork in the school building. It's always sunny in Washington, D.C. It's always sunny in the USA. That's the world we're living in, folks. Upside down, bizarro world. Are we going to tolerate it? Or are we going to try to restore some sense of order? It's all about November. Let's see who comes out ahead. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Walsh Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen.